Opportunities don't happen. You create them. You were made to live a good life, and that's what I believe. So hit the floor, say a prayer, start working. You gotta do something. I have now done over $100 million in real estate transactions over the last 10 years and counting, going from a real teen mom with one daughter at the time, wholesaling and door knocking residential pre-foreclosure properties, to now national real estate investor with five children and four businesses, buying and selling residential and commercial properties. And I want you to do the same. So let's do it. Welcome back to the Real Tea Talks show with Tyee. That's me, T-I-Y-E. You guys, I so miss you guys. It has felt like forever since the last episode, but I have to admit I have had a very, very sore throat. TMI, probably so, okay? But I wanted to be able to bring you guys information still now that I am feeling better. So the show is back on and hopefully more powerful and stronger than ever as we get into more and more topics that is going to affect positively not only your educational base, your knowledge base meaning, but also your bottom line. So without too much information about What's been going on with me, my latest and greatest stuff, I want to get into kind of the meat and bones or meat and potatoes, if you want to say, of the show. So there's so much going on right now um, in in real estate world that is affecting values, that's uh, affecting perceptions, that's affecting morale even of new investors, especially, but also seasoned veterans. So I don't want that to happen to you guys. So today's show is going to be specifically about the top 10 blunders essentially that you need to avoid, the top 10 mistakes, the top 10 things that you guys need to be aware of, conscious of, uh, that you don't need to do, right? It's important to know what to do so that we can move forward and get ahead, but it's also equally, if not even more important to know what not to do so you can kind of cut your, your learning curve in half, if not in a third at least, to be able to be profitable sooner, to be able to win, to be able to do this as you set out to do. So today's show is going to be about those things. Hopefully the key takeaways that you're going to have are number one, about investing in real estate and how it requires a huge amount of hard work, smart investments, and mental clarity. Those things are key that you guys are going to hopefully get out of today's show. The second thing is going to be in regards to the success as an investor being really predicated on your plan and you having. Let me ask you this. And be totally honest, do you have a well-designed plan already in place before going to the market to shop for potential prospects who will sell you their property under market value? Beyond that, though, just take a moment and be real with yourself and your situation of how you're approaching real estate. Well, according to many real estate investors that are seasoned, as well as authors and gurus alike, including myself, the number one reason that investors are failing so soon, so often, and so upfront, it may seem like or feel like, is because they fail to plan. They don't plan to fail, right? You do not have a plan for once that seller says yes. 
you do not have a plan on what comes after that you will actually do with the property. Or if you do have a plan, meaning your exit strategy, you don't have a proposed budget on how you're going to flip the property or what you're going to do if you can't find a wholesale buyer or what you're going to do if the property sits on the on on the market for too long, uh, exceeding the average days on market for sales in that market specifically, what are you going to do if it just sits there and it's not selling and you're looking for a retail buyer, right? You don't have a plan and that according to many, many people alike who have been in real estate for any length of time, preferably over three to five years, will absolutely agree with this point is that the one mistake that is so often more so than any others repeated in the industry by new investors is failing to plan. The number two reason that newer investors fail when they get started in real estate for any amount of time is because they have a quick cash mentality. You are coming into the space, usually that means, with a thought that you're going to make a whole bunch of money in a very relatively short amount of time. And short amount of time means 30 days or less, right? You have this 30-day game plan, you're going to make, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30,000 dollars. And although this is not impossible, it's not something that that we haven't done, that I haven't personally done many times over again over the last decade. However, the probability of you doing that as a new investor is possible, but it's not probable right? So you want to be realistic. You have to work smart. You have to have the skill in regards to the strategies to execute. You have to have the teams and the systems in place. You have to have an established buyers list that you haven't done tons of deals with, but you have the ability to quickly sell to vetted buyers that are in your space, right? So you can have the quick cash mentality, but the reality is that that will be serve as more of a hindrance to, than a help to you at your early onset in your career, right? So if you had a plan to make $100,000 in 30 days, probably not going to happen, right? If you had a, a, a plan to make $100,000 in 100 days, that is a lot more likely because if you start to plan, going back to number one mistake, if you do have a plan that you execute, and you break it down depending on what your market is and you know your average amount of profit that you can make per deal. If you haven't done any deals, well, then yeah, 100 grand in 100 days is a lot less probable because you don't have kind of that experience, probably not the teams or the resources to make that happen. But when we make that happen, um, because that is very much so a reality, right? Even in a shorter amount of time than 100 days, we can make 100 grand on one deal that takes three days to close. And we absolutely have did it, my husband and I alike. So I know what I'm talking about, right? It's not impossible. But is it the norm? No, it is not norm. And those results are atypical depending on your level of experience, your length in the industry, your resources and connections, your buyers list, all of those things factor into is this quick cash mentality going to serve me or is it going to hinder me because I have the wrong set of expectations at the outset, right? So th that's something else you want to keep in mind. Number three on our top 10 list of most common pitfalls new investors make comes in at being a sole player, being a solopreneur, right? That means that 
you, the industry will demand and require that you do have a certain level of experience that you leverage from other real estate experienced professionals in order to leverage their collective genius so you can experience success faster and more abundantly. What does that mean? That means you need lenders, agents, brokers, buyers, sellers. You need contacts as far as contractors. You need escrow and title companies, attorneys and and, and inspectors, right? You need these people in your corner, on your team, and recruited into your business to help and leverage their experience. So that means you literally do not have to be the expert. However, you have to have access to experts. You have to have access to coaches. You have to have access to mentors. You have to have access to money. You have to have access to these bigger players that are more established so that you can leverage them, not take advantage of them, but leverage them so that you can develop a mutually beneficial relationship that serves you in getting your deals done and actually getting deals in general, but then also successfully closing them. While in return, you do something to reciprocate, right? For that person who lent their expertise, their time, energy, or their resources to you. You do need that. You cannot do it alone. As parents, mothers specifically, we're so used to juggling multiple things and multitasking and being the kind of jack of all trades and master of none uh, mentality. But that is also going to hinder you in terms of building your real estate or any business for that matter. Right. You do not tell me, right, after having five children, you can raise children alone, right? I know that all of us, if any of us have older grandparents that we were fortunate to have in our lives, uh, such as myself, I had even my great grandmother. And she would always say, baby, it takes a village to raise a child. And I used to be like, what? What does that mean? That means you cannot do it alone. And maybe not so much that you cannot, but you should not, right? There's many things we can do, but should we do them? Probably not, right? Raising children alone, probably not. Building a business alone, probably not. Is it possible? Yes. Is it in your best interest to do so? No right? As parents, as mothers, as people will get tired and will have competing priorities. As business women and men and professionals, entrepreneurs alike, we will get busy. We cannot continue to try to strong arm every task without delegating and relying on the expertise of others in a specific area. However, still in all, so many investors that are new choose to go at it alone or choose to compromise on price because they want to preserve the little capital that they're starting with. And thus, they are ultimately failing to succeed because of their lack of investment, meaning time, energy, or money into other people and that leverage, that buying the time, expertise, and uh, you know, um, assistance of another person that can happen to accelerate your business so you experience success faster. Number four on our list of top pitfalls that new investors make is overpayment of properties. Like, have you ever asked yourself, 
how much is too much to pay for this particular property or any specific property that you're eyeing, right? How much is too much to pay? You need to have then a good, healthy amount of experience, of intuition, and even insider knowledge into that market and specifically that property or the seller's situation to know how far, or in this case, how low you can actually go without insulting the seller, but also without compromising compromising your bottom line, your profit, right? You cannot go in with the mindset of just guessing, right? Because your guesstimate is going to be your the, the kind of your demise, right? Your the death of your deal. So you don't want that to happen. You have to know your numbers, meaning your ARV after repair value, your as-is value, the estimated repair cost to determine then, based on the condition and market and other uh, uh, components of, of these numbers that we're talking about, that will help to determine what the maximum allowable offer or mail formula for you is going to be. And specifically, what is that initial offer and any counter offers, what is your break-even point, what is your maximum, and what is your minimum, since you should have a minimum number in mind that you'll offer to avoid potentially insulting the seller and falling out of rapport with them. You have to know those numbers, okay? Does that make sense, right? Like, that's just realistic. You wouldn't go take a child into the candy shop with a penny. Why? Because there will be like, well, what, at least let's say a 10-year-old child would be like, this is a penny. I know this is a penny. It's worth one cent. There's nothing in here that I can buy for this amount, right? Same thing with property. Instead of a penny, meaning one cent, let's even just say $100,000, right? And you go to the seller and make a $100,000 offer when they know good and well that they're in a $300,000 home value neighborhood, in the property is in good condition. It may not be perfect, but it's good, right? That is insulting. So you have to have a minimum. You have to know what your break-even is. And then you also have to have a maximum allowable offers so you don't lose money. And ultimately, that is what newer investors are doing to get out of real estate sooner is because they go at it alone, again, being that solopreneur, or they go at it with the the idea of guessing the value and insulting the seller, perhaps, even if it's unintentional. And thus, they are overpaying for properties that they never realize a profit on. So you don't want to do that. Number five is little to no knowledge regarding real estate investing. Now, this may seem obvious, but it also is apparent no matter what business or industry you're in, from medical to technology to 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 real estate, right? You have to have a healthy, a good amount of experience that you can rely on to 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 be able to function in that industry right? It's not always about who you know, even though that is a great component and a huge asset as well, but it is also about what you know, okay? And with that, a lot of new investors that I see and that I, I, I you know, don't know why you would think to not continuously educate yourself if this is something you're thinking about making a career out of versus just even a side, you know, type of gig or hustle for you, right? Even still, you would need to know something, right? So 
the the inability or the refusal of new investors or even just the less likelihoodness, if that's a word that I can use and make up right now, of newer investors to consistently commit to educating themselves and at least learning one new thing per day by picking up good quality content to uh, absorb from books, from courses, from coaches and mentors, from educational programs, from blogs and articles and videos, right? You can have a YouTube education to start out with maybe for the first couple weeks. It may give you some framework, but it's not going to give you the strategy, right? It's not going to give you depth. It's not going to give you a variety of perspective that is quality so that you can actually build your financial future and sustain your family now off of that education. It's going to require a consistent, committed investment into yourself and into your education and getting a mentor, a coach, a person who can hold you accountable, but also mentor you, help you and show you the ropes type of thing is absolutely invaluable. Now you do have to be careful because there are scammers and people out there that do not have uh, the, your best interest at heart and their only self-interest is, is, is what promotes them to um, you know, promote themselves as this guru or expert. But if you find good ones, and there are good ones out there if you seek them out, right, that do not have an abundance of time but have an abundance of care about people, about families, about finances, about real estate, that you can he- heavily learn a lot from in a relatively short amount of time if they commit that time or any amount of time to helping and assisting you to cut your learning curve by sharing of their knowledge, expertise, and resources even at some levels with you. So you want to commit consistently to investing in your education, investing in yourself, which will in turn build your business and cut your losses. Number six, poor preliminary research. Now, on the surface, a lot of people think that gurus and experts, coaches alike in real estate investing have become this overnight success. But actually, they fail to just dig deeper beneath the surface level of success that they see to realize the tremendous sweat equity, the time equity, right? They fail to realize all of the due diligence, the research, the the, not maybe so much blood, but definitely sweat and even tears sometimes. I know this to be absolutely true, is that even to this day, some people say, hey, you make having five children with your husband even involved, being the co-partner and co-parent, you guys have this phenomenal relationship, but you make it look too easy. You make having five children look too easy, right? Same thing in real estate, right? there's a lot of people who are just good enough who have invested the time, energy, and effort into themselves and their education committed to a plan and worked that plan until their plan worked and paid off, right? If you do that, you will absolutely undoubtedly realize success and as a byproduct, naturally, profits from your endeavors, no matter what business that you're in. So a lot of people failing to do the preliminary research on a property, on a prospect, on a seller, on the contract, on the market, on the conditions of that market, right? Failing to do that level of due diligence 
premature to even going to see the property and inspecting it to getting under contract or even closing on it. That is a huge mistake that promotes a lot of losses and limits your success as a new investor if you fail to do that part. Number seven comes in at poor cash flow calculations, right? Just poor calculations, I would even venture to say overall, right? A lot of people go into a deal blind, right? Literally, not literally as in they're blind and cannot see, but they cannot see the potential beyond their initial scope. What does that mean? That means that if they go in with the eyes of wholesaling a deal, they are blinded to the other potential possibilities that that property may have available to you to increase your profit and thus your cash flow or your returns, depending if you're holding it, renovating it or reselling it outright as a wholesale quick sale deal, right? So failing to calculate your numbers correctly and include in those calculations things as simple as property taxes, insurance, interest, and calculating that on your mortgage if you're financing it and using leverage, which is AKA smart debt to acquire properties, right? Those numbers, including maintenance and management, vacancy even, cost, of holding a property. If you're retailing it or if you are um, wholesaling it, those numbers are not as important unless you're selling it to that contract to a landlord buyer because that's something they will factor into their numbers. So you need to know what their numbers, uh, where they stand and what those numbers are to make the most appropriate asking price that's attractive to a landlord buyer. But in general, if you're failing to calculate correctly your numbers and potential prices, profit on a deal, it can hugely jeopardize that profit. So you want to, again, go back to knowing your numbers, leveraging the experience of others on your team and actually having a team and system to be able to do that preliminary research to lever- leverage their collective experience so that you know your numbers and do not go in blind making poor or inaccurate calculations that jeopardize your bottom line. In addition to that, right, if you're not uh, calculating your, your, your cash flow or your returns correctly, you can all also be remiss of other opportunities with that pro- property, right? The, the ability to subdivide a lot to be able to subdivide a duplex so that you can sell each unit independently versus jointly and thus increase your cash flow or your bottom line. Things like that matter. They absolutely do. Or what about if you renovate a property and in that community, that area, that market, that neighborhood, properties are being renovated all to include washer and dryer units and you fail to put in a washer and dryer into your property after renovating it. What does that do? It limits your cash flow if you're renting it out or your profit potential, if you're reselling it or wholesaling it, uh, probably not wholesaling it, but definitely retailing it at that point, if you're putting in a washer and dryer or not, and making that decision in your scope of work, right? If you don't put in that washer and dryer, but that's customary, that's, that, that's expected in that market, then you are in turn setting yourself up to receive a less or a lower 
offer from a potential retail buyer because they are considering their cost now of having to install or have installed and purchase a washer and dryer for that particular property, making therefore your property less desirable and may sit on the market longer because you did not do, again, that preliminary research or you did not build into your budget or calculate for a washer and dryer to be installed in your property. Number eight is having only a few deals at a time. Do you know what it really means to keep your pipeline full? If you spend all of your time, energy, and effort, as new investors do, on going after one property at a time, that is the recipe for disaster. You are not able to scale like that. You're not able to learn as much like that. You're not able to predict your monthly income and retire from your job and fire your boss like that, one deal at a time. In our business, we are very adamant about having at least anywhere from 10 to 20 short sales going in amongst all of the markets at any given time so that we are not relying on one deal. Also, if you're relying on one deal and that deal falls through and you were banking on that profit to pay your rent for that month or that next upcoming month and that deal falls through, you now have a bigger problem, right? Versus having multiple deals in the pipeline, multiple contracts and multiple escrows with properties pending closing over the next three months or over the next 30 days, then you are limiting your risk by spreading it out amongst other properties, just like they do in the stock market with diversifying investments, as many newer investors do. They don't go all in usually on one investment. The same thing applies here is that you don't actually want to put all of your eggs in one basket and go all in and focus on only having you get one deal, one contract, and you stop there until it closes. No, ideally you get that deal, you pass it to the team member that's gonna take it to the finish line, you manage that process while you are using your day-to-day activity to acquire more properties. And that is very vital to the success and scaling of your real estate investing or any business is not focusing on one project, one deal at a time, but continuously keeping your pipeline full by marketing for motivated sellers to do so. Number nine, having just one exit strategy is the number nine thing on our top 10 most common pitfalls of new investors in real estate investing. Now, if you've liked, share, subscribe to this channel already, then don't worry about doing so now. But if you haven't, this is a great time to do so because this is a very critical component of your real estate success. You cannot just only go in with the blindfold of thinking that you're going to wholesale the deal because, again, that goes back to having one strategy limits your prospects and your probability of getting deals done and done quickly and consistently. If you have one property that does not fit kind of the mold of what uh, you're looking at from a wholesaling standpoint and not getting more creative with your stratagems, having a plan A, B, C, and even D sometimes, then you are limiting your own profit potential by limiting your your access to other, other strategies. And what I mean by that is if you go into a deal looking to only wholesale it when you have the opportunity to subdivide that lot, like I mentioned earlier, right? 
or to renovate that property because you're actually getting it at such a steep discount under market value that you can get 100% financing because of, again, the discount you're able to negotiate with the seller. But you're only thinking about wholesaling it even though you can renovate it and spend an extra only 30 days doing a cosmetic renovation to the property to increase your profit from just maybe $5,000 as a wholesale deal to 15 to 25,000 as a full as as a cosmetic rehab right those things are important for you to strategize and have as options at the outset of your contracts and finally number 10 on our top 10 list of most common pitfalls that new investors make in real estate investing is underestimating the time and other resources it takes to do a deal Right. It goes back to the outset of expectation and thinking, hey, am I planning to do these deals uh, four deals in my first 30 days? Probably not. Right. But gravely missing the mark and the expectation by failing to have a plan, failing to have a team, failing to have a mentor, coach and system that you can leverage and rely on to put your practices and your daily activities into perspective to maximize the actual potential of profit and the opportunities that you have every day is going to be, again, a recipe for disaster. The amount of money and income and, and, and expenses that it takes to do a deal, whether you're wholesaling, renovating, re, uh, holding for, for rental income and building your passive income portfolio, no matter what, it takes a lot, a lot of sweat equity, a lot of resources, a lot of commitment, a lot of grit in order to do these deals. And failing to gravely failing, okay, at this point, to understand this by underestimating those components alone is the reason most people lose morale and interest in real estate is because of them underestimating how much behind the scenes goes into doing deals because they get caught up in the facade of that overnight success, quick cash mentality. So you don't want to do that. build in and, and plan for, calculate longer underwriting times, okay? If you haven't already been affected by this, as a lot of people have, including in our own business, both our lending business as well as the real estate investing business on the active and the passive side, we are building in longer hold times, meaning longer underwriting times to underwrite the deals to get either funding or to the closing table, right? Because that's just the climate. It's the environment that we're in. So if at, uh, initially you're doing a cosmetic rehab that should be done in a month, underwrite and plan for that to take three to four months to be super ultra conservative right now in regards to your projections, right? So that you do realize a profit at the end of your deal instead of being in the red. That's where you don't want to be, right? You don't want to be in a cash flow negative position. Nobody pays for properties that are not good investments for some reason or another, according to their own message. Your message to market, I'm sorry, of what you're actually saying to these people trying to get them to sell their property to you, to be in a position to say, huh, I actually have invested X amount of dollars and X amount of time and resources into building this vehicle, but the engine in it is not working, right? Something is wrong. You wouldn't buy a new brand new spanking car and expect the engine to go out next month, next week, or next year, right? 
But at the same time, you have to have been tracking and monitoring your metrics to know your numbers, to know better how to find the areas that are weaker so you can focus on strengthening them instantly, right? You have to be able to do that. 